Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. guarantee you that, not only experientially, but also according to the Word of God. As Paul continued to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, his journey didn't get easier. It got more difficult. Why? Because the enemy of his soul, the enemy of the gospel, the enemy of Christ will do anything and everything he can to distract, to discourage, to, again, derail you in your pursuit of Christ in your life. If you ask any faithful follower of Christ to describe their life, very few would use the words easy or comfortable. Yet for many who come to the faith, they're led to believe that the life of a believer is full of material blessings and ease. As Pastor David will demonstrate in the example of Paul, the closer you get to God, the harder your life will get. The more you live out your convictions and share the truth of the gospel, the more resistance you'll face from an enemy who sees the threat you pose. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 20 as he begins his message, A Faithful Shepherd. We are in the book of Acts. We are in chapter 20. Now, as you recall last time, a couple of weeks ago when we were in chapter 19, we talked how Paul had begun his third missionary journey. He had gone across the area of Galatia and Phrygia. He had landed there in Ephesus. While he was in Ephesus, he was ministering to both Jews and Gentiles. He was able to be in that area for about three years. We talked about how from Ephesus, then the word of God spread all throughout Asia. We also talked about that because, again, the powerful move of the Spirit of God there in the city of Ephesus, those that had been worshiping the pagan god Diana have now turned to Christ, and they were no longer buying all the little statuaries, the little uh, idols that they could put in their homes, no longer worshiping Diana. And because of that, Again, Demetrius, the silversmith, uh, raised up a ruckus, brought all the other craftsmen in. In essence, pretty well started a riot there in Ephesus, quickly getting out of hand until the city clerk, uh, uh, one of the Asiarchs, one of the ones I believe that is possibly one of the ones that Luke says some of those leaders were actually friends of the Apostle Paul. I believe that this particular city clerk 
clerk probably was because he rose up, he brought calmness back to them, he warned them again that if Rome found out about what was going on about this riot, they wouldn't look very favorably on all the actions, and again, the whole city would suffer because of the reactions of these people, and so he got them to settle down. As a matter of fact, if you're there, you just, in chapter 20, just look up a couple of verses in verses 40 and 41, you'll see that the city clerk told the mass of the people there, he says, we're in danger of being called into question for today's uproar. There being no reason which we may give to account for this disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Well, that's how chapter 19 ends. And so now we pick it back up into chapter 20. In verse 1, it says, after the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself. He embraced them and departed to go to Macedonia. And when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and he stayed there for three months. Well, we understand from Paul's letters to the Corinthians that this particular stop wasn't just simply Greece. He actually went to the city of Corinth. And again, there in Corinth at this point in time, he's going to stay about three months. Luke doesn't give us much detail on this journey after he left Ephesus until the time of uh, landing there in Corinth, but we can look at Paul's writings to the Corinthians that he writes a little bit later. He writes back to them, and in 2 Corinthians, we find out that, uh, again, as he traveled from Ephesus up to Troas, his plan was to share the gospel there in Troas, and he expected once he got to Troas that he would find his friend Titus there in Troas. But when he got there, Titus wasn't there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we read Paul's writings. He says that when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and the door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I did not find Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. And so Macedonia, again, as he crosses over the Aegean Sea from the area that we now know as Turkey, crosses over the, the, the very small portion of, of water there to get to uh, the area of Macedonia, what we know now is that portion of, of Europe, as he got over there, Paul then tells us, actually in chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians, that there were attacks that were coming against him, but there was also comfort that he got once he got there. In chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians, he writes, For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts and inside in other words, inside his own heart, there were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you, as he's writing to the Corinthians. When he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, and so that I rejoiced even more. So after he finds Titus there in the area of Philippi, he finds that Titus had been down in Corinth. 
He was on his way back to meet Paul in Troas, but he had only made it as far as about Philippi, and that's where they met. He finds out that Titus brings a great report from the church there in Corinth. From there, his plan was from Corinth, he was going to sail from Corinth and go all the way back to Syria, and then once he landed there, he was going to take the opportunity to go down to Jerusalem. That was Paul's plan. Now, if you recall from a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fact that man's plans don't always work out. Because you see what happened is the Jews heard about his plan. If you're still in Acts, which is really where we're at, Acts chapter 20, in the third verse, the second part of the third verse, it says, when the, when the Jew, and when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. So instead of sailing across the Aegean Sea to go over to Syria, he's now going to have to go back across the land bridge going that direction. Again, the Jews' idea was probably to get on the same ship that Paul was in, or perhaps another ship and come along and meet them somewhere midway, probably kill Paul, throw him over, let him be fish food. That was their idea. They wanted to get rid of the apostle Paul. But when Paul found out about it, he said, well, I'm not getting on the boat will go back by land. So it's what we looked at last week or a couple of weeks ago. The best laid plans of man. Again, God is still under control of our lives. We looked again at the verse a couple of weeks ago that man makes his plans, but God is the one who directs our footsteps. So instead of sailing directly to Syria, he goes up to Macedonia, that long journey out of Corinth, going back up through the area, Athens, and then Berea, Thessalonica, to Philippi, on then to the coast, uh, going across the, the small portion of the land to the city of Troas. The Lord had a plan, but guys, I'm not really sure. In fact, I don't believe that Paul is totally aware of that plan. Paul's plan was to sail across. God had another plan in mind. And so Paul is simply continuing, moving forward, and trusting God that God does have a plan and a purpose in his life. Look with me in verse 4. He speaks of the ones that are with him and where they're from. And Sopater of Berea accompanied him to Asia. Also Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, and Tychicus and Trophimus of Asia. These men going ahead waited for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we joined them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. Now just a quick little side note. Suddenly that personal pronoun of we comes back into the picture. Who's the writer of the book of Acts, church? Luke. Suddenly, Luke is back with the team once again. When we see that little change going in, we know that Luke is either in the picture or out of the picture. He's either using the third person, they, 
or he's using the first person, we. So now he is in the we mode. He is with the team. He's with the group right now. So they stayed in Philippi for a long time, long enough to celebrate the day of unleavened bread. This was during the time of Passover, again, which is followed by the day of unleavened bread. And then from Philippi, they set sail across that small little portion of the Aegean Sea. They landed in Troas, and there Luke writes that we stayed for seven days in, in Troas. Now, it's an interesting thing about Troas. Troas, uh, again, a, a coastal uh, uh, city right there. It's also, its location is in the shortest, smallest amount of sea travel to get from the, the area of Asia over to Europe. And so during those days, the boats weren't very big. They weren't very powerful or strong. It was a great place to be able to cross at that point in time if you had a smaller boat because the distance wasn't very far. We also know that uh, Troas was also a, a chief port in that portion of Asia Minor. It was very prosperous during that time. And they say that during that time, the city population was probably about 100,000 people. Now, if you remember, earlier on, Paul had been in Troas. He had a great open door to be able to share the Lord in that great city. Well, now they are back there again. Now we're down in verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, which, what's the first day of the week, church? Sunday. Catch this. On the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. So when were the disciples gathering together, church? On Sunday. Now, we get a lot of guff from those that say, oh, no, the church should meet on the Sabbath day, on Saturday. But very soon, right during the first century, they had switched over and the church was meeting on Sunday. The disciples came together to break bread. Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Now, we don't know what time he started. Okay, uh, when you look at this and you know the Jewish reckoning, Sunday actually could have started Saturday night at sunset. So it could have been then, or it could have been sometime during the day on the actual day of Sunday, and he continued preaching and teaching all the way going until midnight. But look what happens in verse 8. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story. He fell out the window, he fell down to the third story, and was taken up dead. But Paul went down fell on him and embracing him said, do not trouble yourselves for his life is in him. Now when they had come up, they had broken bread and eaten. They talked a long while. They continued talking even till daybreak and he departed. And they brought the young man, this Eutychus, in alive and they were not a little comforted. In other words, they were very much comforted because Eutychus was alive. Okay, put yourself in Eutychus's position. From now on, for the rest of your life, <laughs> you are the guy that fell asleep while Paul was preaching and fell out the window, okay? Just, just kind of, can you imagine that? Now, 
Paul understood that this was going to be the last time that, that he was going to be able to share with these folks face to face. And I think that's why he just continued and continued, continued on preaching. No doubt he was, he was pouring his heart out. But I mean, let's face it. There's some people that fall asleep during a 30-minute sermon. Amen? I mean, nobody in here, I understand that. No one here would be that way. But I've heard of people that would fall asleep pretty easy. And here, Paul, he's teaching not 30 minutes, not three hours. He is going hours and hours along all through the night and on into the morning until daybreak. Again, the, the room was probably filled with people wanting to hear the apostles' teaching. It's now because it's past uh, uh, the time of Passover and the days of unleavened bread. It's in the springtime of the year. It could have been a warm evening. The windows are open. We've got all these lamps that are going on in there. Eutychus is sitting by the window. He's trying to catch a breeze when suddenly his eyelids fall and so did he. Okay? So we know, some have said that from that particular event that Eutychus has become the patron saint of those that fall asleep during church. <laughs> and his slogan is, is, yea, though I sleep or slumber, surely I shall not die. Okay, so I'm not sure if all that's true. <laughs> yeah, but it does sound good. Yeah, it, it fits with the sermon pretty well. But I do know that there are those that fall asleep during sermons. And of course, uh, I, I usually tell people, you know, if you're that comfortable while you're in here, then praise God. Just let the Lord minister to you in your sleep. Well, let's get back into this. Luke lays out now for us kind of the direction, the, the direction of travel that Paul and the company are taking. Uh, he tells us in verse 13 that from Troas, they went ahead to the ship and uh, sailed from Troas to Azos. There they're intending to take Paul on board, for so he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. Now you've got to understand this. Paul had preached all night. No sleep at all. And from there, everybody else got on the boat, sailed around from Troas to Azos. Paul says, no, I'm going to walk. I'm thinking to myself, no way, dude. Put me on the boat. I'm going to take a little snooze while you guys are sailing. But Paul walked. He continued on foot. When he met them then at Asos, verse 14 tells us, then he, they took him on board and they came to Methylene. And so we sailed from there. And the next day we uh, came opposite Chios, which is a, a large island just off the coast. The following day, we arrived at Samos, which is, again, another large island off the coast, staying at Troglium. The next day, then, we came to Miletus. And then in verse 16, it tells us, he explains, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Okay, church, how long is it from Passover to Pentecost? Any ideas? 50 days. Pentecost, that's your clue. 50 days. He had 50 days to travel, 
He would have made it easily probably if he had sailed across again the Aegean Sea, but now he's on this land journey. He knew that if he stopped at Ephesus, one of a couple of things might happen. Number one, the many people that he had ministered to there for the time that he had been there, they would want him to stay longer. It would have been harder for him to break away from them. He would have probably been there for longer than he wanted to. But the second thing, he also knows that those that started the previous riot in Ephesus, they were still there, and there might be more problems from them if he had stayed there at that point. And so they sailed past Ephesus. They landed in the coastal city of Miletus, which is about 30 miles south of Ephesus. So apparently his ship docked there for some time because from Miletus they sent men to go up to Ephesus, get the elders of the church, and that travel time for 30 miles, get those guys, and then bring them back that 30 miles to come back to Miletus. Once again, Paul has this powerful message that he's going to share with these elders, these guys that he loved, these guys that he had served with for three years. Look at the words beginning in verse 17. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you know that from the first day I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you. Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's life was his testimony for Christ, but much more than his life. He also taught them, taught them from the Old Testament scriptures, but I believe also even before he wrote the books that he wrote to the church of Ephesus, the book we know as Ephesians, I believe that the very things that he was sharing there, he had shared with them. He put together the Old Testament with the new teachings of Christ being sharing with them. His message was the same no matter who he spoke to. The reality was is that all men everywhere needed to repent and turn in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what he says in verse 22. And see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Paul understood that even though his journey had already been rough, it wasn't going to get any easier. You're here this morning, you've been a Christian for more than a month. You know that just by, coming, by becoming a Christian doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. As a matter of fact, you've probably experienced just the opposite. 
Once you became a believer, suddenly you, you had attacks, both from the world as well as your own life, your own uh, spirit, your own emotions, coming against the very spirit of Christ, that that battle is there. That battle is real, it's true. And beloved, I would just want to share, I want to give you this warning, but also an encouragement. The more you press into Jesus, the greater the battle is going to be. I can guarantee you that, not only experientially, but also according to the word of God. As Paul continued to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, his journey didn't get easier. It got more difficult. Why? Because the enemy of his soul, the enemy of the gospel, the enemy of Christ will do anything and everything he can to distract, to discourage, to, again, derail you in your pursuit of Christ in your life. Paul understood and knew. He knew that there would come a time when he would lay down his life for, the, for his Lord and Savior, for Christ himself. He says, I go, down, I, I, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. That's all we have time for on today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David has been teaching through the book of Acts, introducing you to the early church and how they were radically changed by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can listen to more editions of The Open Word. Here's Pastor David. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Would you like to listen to more of them? Well, just visit theopenword.com. You'll be directed to our Facebook page where we're adding all of my previous messages for you to listen to for free. Be sure to like and follow that page and feel free to share it with your friends. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close and ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. Would you pray for us and for our listeners? We know the enemy attempts to hinder the truth of the gospel from being spread. He will stop at no cost to prevent even one heart from turning to Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us in this, and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Do you live in Casa Grande? If so, we'd love to meet you. Come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Directions can be found at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks again for tuning in and for praying for the open word.